got one of my former classmates. Um, so we were at UCT together, but uh, then we started in the public sector together, but he took a bit of a different journey. He went to auditing site. Uh, so we, we found each other recently. Um, and we saw it fitting to, to just then get this uh, opportunity to talk to you about business acumen. And I think one of the things that I, I, I would really like for you to, to embrace is that ever since we've started our journey and the way we explored business acumen and even how it is really unpacked in our case study, it always has that feel of um, private sector uh, kind of thinking that it needs to be a listed company, it needs to be thinking about um, investing, uh, and therefore, there's this kind of mentality that uh, it exists in, say, a profit um, for profit environment only. Uh, but Vulelano, uh, what he's going to just do is to really unpack his journey and where he is right now and really the competence of business acumen, how it applies in his daily, in his daily dealings. And one of the things that I really like um, about what he's going to do and also share with you uh, is also how he gets to apply that in his role as a board member. And uh, there's something that we've been exploring to just say that, yes, I mean, we, we always introduce these uh, board members in our case study. We always tell you that you need to talk to them uh, in an appropriate manner, uh, consider this audience. So now you've got the actual audience here. Uh, so this is a, a a board member uh, that is sitting in front of you. So, so you you'll get to, to understand that when we say that this is the audience, what, what really does that mean? And even more so, he is a, a board member in a public sector once more. So, so, so all those principles, I think when he unpacks them, you, you'll really find uh, the excitement that is always in what is always in this kind of journey that we've taken together. So uh, let me hand it over to him. Bulelani, thank you very much for joining us. You may take over from here. Good evening, sir. Just confirm if you can see my slides. Indeed, I can. Happy. All right, yeah. Yes. Um, well, it's an honor um, and I think good evening to, to everyone. Um, and that introduction will make me, or at least made me feel like now I'm, I'm 50 years old already, you know. <laughs> um, uh, so I think maybe just on the introduction as well, um, you know, I think one item that you, you probably missed in the intro is that uh, we also stayed together at some point. Uh, we also shared a, a flat in, in Sunnyside. Uh, some time back, and so we we have history with this man. So I'd leave it there for now. I'd leave it there. So colleagues, uh, good evening, and um, and really thank you for the opportunity of of having to interact with with some of you. Um, I understand it's it's just a day before a public holiday. And obviously, with that said, happy Women's Day in advance to all the ladies on the call. And um, as, as Rendani has indicated, uh, I think really 
the job that is given me today is to just share some light on on the public sector perspective of of what is business acumen. Um, the, well, there was a lot of things I thought I should should speak about, but I think uh, I tried just to limit it to the role of of the the CFO, which is the position that I hold, and also the the role of the board, and also some tips because of some of uh, of the activities that I'm also involved with. So to confirm, yes, I am Bulelani Makunga. Um, uh, I'm a CFO in the public sector and I'm also a board member and also a co-founder of a not-for-profit organization and uh, yeah, thought leader, mentor, um, but I think more importantly, I'm also a marker for APC of a competitor. So apparently I shouldn't mention the name. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm involved in a number of things, obviously outside of, um, I say the day-to-day -day things that that uh, I, I obviously do. Um, I, I call myself a public sector guy, uh, a name I, I inherited uh, when I was doing my MBA at Gibbs, you know, every time when I make a comment, they're like, oh, is that the public sector guy? Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, maybe yeah, this is the, the tagline that I must use uh, sort of going forward. Um, I think on the intro, uh, Randani covered uh, the most of the items. Uh, really today, it's not about me, as we'd indicated. Um, again, it's just to declutter or demystify these issues around a single story. You know, as uh, Chimamanda Adechi would say, that, you know, the danger of a single story that it perpetuates stereotypes and, and it creates iniquity in the manner in which information and knowledge is, is, is acquired. So I think it's very important sometimes to also get the other side and also just to motivate and encourage some of those trainees who have um, public sector exposure to understand that they, they do have the relevant exposure to be able to, to succeed in their, in their APC journey. Oops, sorry. Okay. Um, so really, uh, I usually just try and touch on 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 my own purpose. Um, this is a slide. It's a very odd slide that I always use with my with with my teams and uh, some of the guys that I, I usually engage with. And because I think it's 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 quite important for me uh, because it just continues to remind me of of why do I wake up in the morning, you know. Uh, at a very early age, um, I realized that, you know, every time when I have had to help someone or I've had to serve, whether in church or in my community or in my school, even at home, you know, I, I feel a bit better about myself. At times I feel fulfilled and uh, at most times I, I, I feel happy. Uh, and I think that's what convinced me that perhaps my purpose and, and my reason for existence is to serve others and also inspire others to be able to serve others as well. Yeah. So, and um, obviously like with anything, you have to operationalize it. And, and the how is obviously the focus on education, 
Um, I'll speak about my profile some other time, but there's also a few projects that I'm busy with um, from that end. Um, also with the NPO that I'm also going to touch on a bit later. And also just value add, just the passion about, you know, transformation and, and just adding value to things, you know. And I always like to see things improve. I always like to see processes improve. I always like to see people improve as well. Um, and obviously assisted by the resources that I have or I'll say the capabilities and the talents that I have. So I want to use those talents to serve others, right? So obviously being a CA, like most of you, having the network that we have in, in our profession and outside of the profession, and also just my personality traits as well. And the funny thing about that is that, you know, when I, when they would do the psychometric assessments, you know, most when you apply for a job, you would have to go for that thing when you're senior manager and above. And it would always come back and it would say, you know, people pleaser, you know, that this guy's a people pleaser, you know, and I, I just didn't like that comment, you know, and I'd seen it in a negative light. But I think over time, I'd actually realized that it's, it's probably the personality trait that God has given to me. Um, and instead of a weakness, I should actually use it as a strength. And, and it's just worked wonders because it makes it easy for me to persuade others. Um, it makes it easy for me uh, to connect with others. It makes it easy for me to socialize, you know. So it has become a strength to me uh, than a curse word, you know. So I think it's one of those things that I make sure I remind myself of, that to remain kind, to remain humane and, and be humble in the manner in which I go about my business. So really that's, I thought I always try and explain that so that you get a sense of where I'm coming from sometimes. Even if I say something that's gonna offend you, but you sort of know what I'm trying to do. Um, and so those are some of the things on, obviously on my gratitude list and some of my achievements, um, obviously married and the father of three, um been a CA since uh, 2013, uh, was CFO at 30, and most recently with uh, my main man, uh, Randani, who were the 2022 top 35, under 35 uh, finalists. And I think another thing that I'm very proud of as well, I mean, you know, I managed to take care of my mother as well, um, which is always one of the reasons why I wanted to be a chartered accountant in the first place. So I thought that's quite important as well. I mean, as I mentioned, um, my wife and I started this not-for-profit organization where we, we help students or learners rather from, from public or let's call it village schools uh, that are mainly public schools uh, with financial support and um, also mentorship. So what we do is we adopt them from grade 10 and um, then we work with them until grade 12. So this was the first uh, cohort and they are now in grade 12. Uh, we, actually yesterday we were just finalizing now some of the applications, some of the universities as well and um, have by the networks that I had spoken about earlier, you know, getting some funding from some of the guys that I know. So now that I have all of you as my network, uh, an email is coming to ask for five cents from your salary <laughs> or your income to contribute to, to, to this course. So some of the things that are, I'm quite grateful for as well. So as mentioned, really points of discussion today, 
I would love to see for as indicated just to demonstrate uh, public sector business acumen um, also speak to the role of of, of a board member as well and uh, try and contrast that with the role of of the CFO and also just academic tips uh, based on what I've learned in practice because I think when you start doing something over time for some reason, all these theories and these things that you were doing uh, during your APC and um, well, even before that, they now they start making sense. So then you're able to sort of package it nicely. So I'm going to try and do that for you today as well. And also some exam tips uh, from the marking I've, I've been doing. Um, and um, then we can also just have some interaction and discussions and I can take questions. So please feel free to stop me if you ask about anything and then we can perhaps chat. And I also encourage you please to, to also be interactive. Uh, you know, perhaps if I ask something, please do volunteer to, to provide a, a response to that. So really what is a role of, of the CFO? So in the main, the role of the CFO is to you know, assist or enable or ensure entities strategically deploy its financial resources to enable it to meet its objectives, you know, in an optimal manner that is in the most efficient, effective and economic manner. So that role is a management role. So I think if you want to underline anything, it's a management role. Um, and in the main, its role is to execute the strategy of the organization. Yeah. So even though a CFO will be involved in the formulation of the strategy, but in the main, the role of that position is to implement uh, the strategy. Um, obviously, take into account that I mean, you lead a finance unit um, or corporate services unit. You're also a people manager as well. Um, but I, I focus on those five things as, as the key the strategic goals of, of being um, um, of, of a CFO. So one of them is financial sustainability. So I, I try and simplify it and, and just use taglines as well. I'm sure you can see how corny I am now with these taglines, right? Um, so financial sustainability really speaks to the ability to, to organize and, and secure the rent. And, and that's how I try and explain it to my team as well, that you, you want to be able to organize that rent, spend it wisely, and also save some for the future. So that's all. That's, that's what sustainability is about. It's the same with your own um, individual financial sustainability as, 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 a, as a person. Um, so always the trick is to balance the short term and, and the long term. Uh, you need to take care of the 12 months, which is the going concern part, which is always something that you're also familiar with. You also have to look at the long term when you make some of these decisions that before, you make a commitment to spend on a three-year, four-year project, will you be able to pay for this project in year three or year four? And also most importantly, with something that we had ignored and, and COVID taught us a hard lesson was the ability to save some money for the rainy day, that you have to, to, to try and build some reserves um, so that in, in instances where you have an unexpected event, uh, that will challenge your own sustainability as an organization, you're able to respond and respond effectively. An example to this um, was that because as an organization, we are funded um, by the pension fund industry. So we're not funded by the government, but we get levies from the pension fund industry. And these levies are based on pension fund members that are registered at a given time. So we would say 
for each pension fund member that is registered, you pay seven rand, for example. Um, so we get this only from the private sector pension fund because that's that's what that's who we regulate. But what happened during COVID, you you would have seen that the economies globally were really struggling. People were losing jobs, and and always when people are losing jobs, it means less people are now registered to pension funds. So we had a a, a negative growth in 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 our revenue prospects when we focused at the numbers. So we had to be able to respond. And and again, I mean, I just joined then. I think I was eighteen months in. And, and we're still busy with this process of building this this reserve fund to be able to. So we didn't have anything to respond to that. Um, so what we we had to do was create a, a modeling or a model, a scenario planning model that will assist us in 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 looking at the different scenarios regarding our revenue and how that will have an impact on the operations. So I said to the team that give me five scenarios where we would look at if we receive 90 percent of the income. What are some of the decisions that we'll have to make? If we receive 80% of the income, what are some of the decisions we'll have to make? We even went up to 50%. Um, and this was important because when you see when you, you know, going to 50% and lower percentages, then there will be some tough decisions that would have to be made. And I remember some of them would have to cut CAPEX. And, you know, we'd have to uh, suspend some licenses, uh, some of the systems that we had. We'd even had to retrench stuff by 20% if we had to reach that point. But we needed to be able to have this model and have the ex-co discussing this and having that understanding that this is some of the decisions that would have to be taken if we don't receive you know, this budget that um, we, we need to be able to operate as a business. So that's another, that's one example of, of, of business acumen as far as financial sustainability is concerned. And I can tell you now, I think the reserves that we have, we're sitting at around 25% of the total budget. And it's something that we've had to build over time as well, exactly to address that. Uh, so the second objective is budget credibility. As I say, you have to put your money where your mouth is. You cannot say you value education. And then when they say, come register for an APC board course, uh, I don't know how much it is. Let's say it's 100,000. Uh, you're complaining, but when you, when you have to go buy that Louis Vuitton bag, you go there running, you know. Um, so you, your priorities must be uh, indicated and must be evident in the manner in which you allocate your money, because obviously resources are limited. So that's what I could. That's why I call that one spend the rent, uh, you know, on what matters. Like with any organization, we're all facing limited resources. We, have, we all have priorities. So we can now use the money that we have for the priorities for things that you know don't matter at least based on the strategy that we have. So it's very important. Um, value for money as well. I'm sure you would have heard this term a lot from the from Madam Ag. Something that she stresses a lot um, that you have to get more for every rent you spend. That's what you must always strive for. That for every rent you spend, you have to see the gains, whether financial or non-financial. Uh, exceed the cost that you would have paid for it. So, for example, now we've recently implemented an ERP system as part of our modernization strategy. And I can tell you the benefits are immense. When I got the, I mean, everything was manual and we had all these inefficiencies. And then I committed that we have to get this thing done. And I can tell you, you know, some of the benefits around and some of the efficiencies that we're seeing, 
you know, there's audit trails, um, you know, data processing is, is quicker and faster, um, data availability for decision making. Uh, the list is endless. You know, the benefits are tangible and we can already feel them even in the manner in which, you know, some of the, you know, people now are redundant, you know, they now they have time to do other things as well. You know? so, so you have to make it a commitment that for every rand you spend, you have to at least get, even if just the one cent more than what the, the cost of whatever you spent it on. Then the fourth one is around clean governance and administration. And I think this is very important, especially for you as a chartered accountants. I mean, you know, psycho like strategy now around, uh, you know, building responsible leaders, you know, building responsible leaders, leaders with integrity, leaders that are beyond approach. And, and, and I can tell you, given all the stories that uh, you have all had now in, in the recent past, whether it's Steinhoff, whether it's Hewlett's, whether it's the Spare Group, whether it's, you know, um, you know, KPMG, ETC, you know, it, it's really boils, uh, it boils down to this thing of, of, of clean governance and, and just the commitment and clean governance and, and administration. And it's very important in, even in the public sector. Um, I'm sure you you know, I mean, we're sitting at, I think, 30% of organizations of the entities in the public sector have clean audits. So it means the other 70% do not respect the rules. The manner in which they spend the money that they have, which is public funds, uh, is is in, in, in contravention of the applicable legislation. So you have to, to ensure that the manner in which you spend the money, you spend it the right way. Um, so some of the things that I had to put in place was we had to make sure that the policies that we have are obviously current. We review them um, regularly. But I think most importantly, standardize the processes that are important and take into account now because obviously I'm an auditor by by training, you know, uh, all that I'd learned in auditing about, you know, segregation of duties, uh, ensuring that there's checklist, ensure that you limit the, the risk of self-review. And, you know, at, at many other interventions that we had in place, especially around just the day to day financial management controls. But also what I had to do as well was from a governance point of view, was that we needed to establish a, a framework for, for just governance and corporate governance. We, I'd say to the team, look, we have to look at all the principles that we have in, in King 4 and, and apply it in our environment and ensure that we monitor it. Uh, on a regular basis and that we build a POE for it as well. So if we go to principle one, I needed to see that, you know, how does the, the affected functions of the of the organization apply principle one? And I would need to see POE when it's reported. So those are some of the things that we introduced to to, to try and ensure that we improve the, the governance of the organization. And the fifth element is really around transparency and, and accountability. Yeah, this is again another big issue in in the South African, um, both private sector and and um, and and public sector, which is transparency is a curse word. You know, uh, people they say, uh, no, no, they don't want to disclose some information because the competitors um, will take that information. I'm sure you would have seen what had happened with with the telcos um, issue with. Uh, with the regulator uh, and 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 the data issues that that I mean I think it took close to five ten years, and and really the issue was that you know it is around transparency 
you know, where people are willing to share information so that decisions are made before the auction uh, was 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 opened. So it's a, it's a it's a big issue. And when I shorten it, I say you have to keep the receipts, at least from a public sector point of view, that when you spend that rent, you need to make sure that every rent is accounted for. I know accountants, um, even in my team, uh, they always want to kill me when I ask for uh, for a receipt for a thousand rand spent. You know, say, ah, but this thing is below materiality. You know, just leave me alone. Uh, but I said, we, we can't because uh, this is not our money. You know, <laughs> even if it was your money, if you don't keep the receipts, I'll be worried. You know. <laughs> But I said this is public funds, and 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 we have to be responsible in the manner in which we spend this. And um, so what we've tried to do, especially around transparency as well, in 2021. So this is something that was also in the pipeline as well, from for, for at least from from my side as the CFO of, of the organisation, is that we needed to move from the annual report standard regime uh, of of reporting, and really advance it to to integrated reporting. And, and the reason for that was we, we needed to, to 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 be stakeholder oriented and 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 also you know show stakeholders how we create values in organization and 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 you know also in instances where we eroded that value we need to also put it in that report you know in promoting transparency in the organization right? and so these are some of the examples I thought that would be very uh, important for you and and quite relevant for you. Uh, on some of the items, at least some of the activities that I was involved in that initiated uh, to ensure that um, this transparency and, and accountability is promoted. And I think the key part about you know, accountability, and I see it now even with this uh, Texas strike that is going on in, 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 in the Western Cape, is that what, what you need to understand as a leader is that once you get to a leadership position, you have to be accountable. If anything that you must say, your attitude must be, you must be available to answer on how you made the decision and why you made that decision. You know, it can be that now when it's time to account, um, you delegate that responsibility to, to your direct report. You know, so you, it's something that you have to accept as a leader, especially as a responsible leader, that you will always have to be able to account. Uh, I don't know how many times I've been in Parliament. <laughs> sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes I come back, I'm like, I just want to sleep, you know, <laughs> and wake up the next day. But it's it's the nature of the job. And you have to take that attitude that you want to be accountable. Okay. Um, are we still together? Any questions, any comments, any reflections? Thailand means uh, all right. Clenipile? Uh, um, hi, sir. I'm sorry, that was a, a mistake. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> right. I wanted to, to, to react instead. Sorry about that. Oh, is it? No problem. Uh, I, I appreciate hearing your voice. So at least I'm not alone yeah? here. <laughs> no, definitely not alone. Yeah, we are engaged. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, I think there's someone who's... Uh... Yeah, I think there's someone who's not you? muted. All right. So we muted everyone, so you're muted, Bulilan.
Oh, oh, I'm muted. Okay, all right. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you, CFO. Perfect, great. Thanks, thanks, Mir. Um, so another role that I, I currently hold as well as that of a board member of the FSCA um, a pension fund. Uh, I've been there now for, I think, almost uh, three years. Um, you know, just as a side story. So when, when they recruited me, I, I, I told them that, you see, guys, uh, for me, uh, transformation is something that I take very seriously and it's something that I advocate for. Uh, are you are you sure you want to have me in this spot? You know, <laughs> I said no. Come, come. We want you know young minds. Uh, you know when the people recruit you, they say old men are of nice things. Uh, so now when I got there now, then I started rocking the boat now. Um, where you see that yeah no I mean our B score actually non-compliant my B point of view. Um, yeah, yeah, all the spend is is is, is on specific companies, uh, you know, and there's no uh, any active uh, strategy in place to 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 drive financial inclusion. Uh, so I had actually asked the chair recently. I said, "Chair, do you not regret your decisions?" No, 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 no. It's fine, Makonga. It's good. You see, we are old, you know. Uh, you know, some of the challenges you find that I mean, the majority of the guys are. Uh, old white men, um, which are already in the 50s, 60s, you know. Um, so it's, it's it's always a struggle to 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 try and, and convince them, you know. So everything that you say has to be evidence based. You you have to ensure that you you know you you're on point and 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 you also run away from the discussions that are emotional about transformation, you know, and make sure that whatever argument that you put forward is really just based on facts. And that's what Psycho wants from us, right? To be critical thinkers, that to base whatever we, other decisions or, or that we put forward on objective evidence. Yeah. So uh, as a board member, really the role is to provide oversight, uh, oversight over the operations of 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 any organization and ensure that you exercise due diligence and i think this is very important uh, the part about exercising due diligence um to ensure that stakeholders needs and not only shareholders i'm sure you'd know this if if you are in in this course uh, are prioritized and the entity in itself is well managed so really the role here is really around strategy formulation and obviously then the appraisal of that strategy to see whether all those goals that um, had been agreed upon with management have have now been been met. I see there's a there's a hand. Yes, hi Pulolani. Hi. Um, just on the fact that you mentioned something about the transformation, my question is, Wani, um, because they were non-compliant, they, it seems like there was no strategy in place or they were reluctant to transform and actually uphold the BEE requirements. Um, and then second would be, because of that, how, what was the backlash and the challenge that you faced from that? And how, you, how did you overcome that to get to a place where um, you feel comfortable to actually even go to the board and ask them if they're still happy with you being um, <laughs> having a point of view? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um maybe should I take the second one as well? Yes. Um okay. M my question then um is it is linked to um Takofato's question. 
um, you know, like when you're joining an organization and you actually even um in spaces where like hey, there is very old people that like in those different in those spaces, um, how do you do? How did you deal with the fact that certain people say that no, we can't change how we do things because the way we've been doing things is working and it doesn't have any impact and what you are saying is not it's not going to change how we we see things but you feel like but if you do it this way that's where it's going to actually have value add so how did you uh, deal with the pushbacks of people say that no this is how we're doing things it's actually working yeah okay maybe i'll, I'll take that too and then I'll, I'll come back to the next um person uh, so really, I think the, the question is one is around um, uh, challenges. And I think with, with any challenge, especially in the business setting, and it, it's really about the how, how you go about it. Sometimes you can come with the best idea, uh, but just in the manner in which you went about it uh, may not be accepted. Uh, so I think, first of all, that's why I stress the issue around integrity. And I think that's why um, even King uh, Four also stresses that fact. Uh, that you you have to go in there with absolute integrity. That your objectives um, um, are, are pure and and you don't have any malicious intent or any agendas. So then that's the first part because people can read. I mean you can try and think you're smart and you manipulate people, but I promise you, short legs. There's no way you will you will be able to persuade, especially people at that level who are executives who have more than 20 years experience. So first of all, integrity. So you have to go in there with absolute integrity. Obviously, other than the fact that, as I said, that it is a bit my personality sometimes helps uh, because I, at least I don't appear as someone who's threatening or who's trying to take anyone's job or at least trying to um, discriminate against anyone based on age. I was just even saying that uh, because I just wanted to indicate to you that sometimes it becomes very hard to to convince, um, you know, some of, 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 of the individuals that we work with because they are so, uh, they've been doing things in a certain way for a very long time and they, they wouldn't want to change them. But I think the key thing that I had to do, again, is I had to base everything on evidence. And it goes back to the critical thinking that I mentioned. You have to base everything on evidence. So in, in the formulation of, so first of all, in the discussions that we had, so what we had, um, we had a policy that we call a service provider policy, where it would say, uh, when we when we uh, award something, we must consider BE. That's the only line that was there. So I, I just asked, what does this mean? They said, who, who can explain to me? What, what this line means and that's where it started then you realize now people had different ideas they actually didn't know this and then you go back to you know issues around i mean we're all in a constitutional democracy all of us want to comply with the law because in everything that we do must be bounded by the law so you have to go back to that guys are we compliant here you know can we say we're compliant with the be you know, the second step was then, okay, they said, okay, no, that's fine. Maybe let's set up a, a committee, then you chair that committee. Then they gave me the chairperson of that committee of the, to formulate a strategy. So even in that strategy formulation process, I only wanted evidence-based discussions and only. So I would ignore you if you say, yeah, BE is a failed project. So what does that mean? So give me evidence that it's a failed project, you know, or, or BE is a success. 
what does that mean? So you have to give me evidence that B is a success. So I was trying to just limit uh, the discussions around, you know, emotions, because uh, I know it's a very emotive issue because some people, you know, feel like something is being taken away from them. And some people feel like, you know, they feel entitled that they must take from someone else, you know. So you have to make sure that the, the boundaries and the framework in which that discussion goes is really just based on evidence, you know. So so really that's that's how I, I, I'd say, you know, I address that challenge. Uh, again, integrity, you have to make sure that you're beyond reproach and, and your intentions and your heart is in the right place. And secondly, base everything on evidence. I don't know if it helps. Okay. Another person? Thanks for those questions, guys. Appreciate it. I think there's another hand, but I can't see it from my side. Please, uh, please go ahead. Hi, Bulalani. Hello. Uh, okay, thank you for the session. Uh, we're learning a lot. Uh, I hope I'm not taking you back. Mm -hmm. So I, I hear what you're saying about the evidence and about no emotions and about integrity. But my experience with the public sector hasn't been rosy, if I can use that word. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's not just one entity or one department or one institution. It's just <laughs> vast and it's, it's a lot of different bad experience, bad experiences. Mm -hmm. So be it where you are showing the evidence, you are showing that this is what you are legally required to do and people are not mm -hmm. interested or you just, you know, you are working towards compliance and you can see that it's not a priority, even up to audit committee level. Obviously, I'm not going to be talking about specific examples, but even when mm -hmm. the audit committee person, I mean, chairperson is not interested. So I, 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 I'm, I, I'm, I'm hearing you and I'm going to be mindful of your advice going forward. But I, I feel like sometimes it's not as... Yeah, it's not as simple. I don't know if I'm if I'm making sense. Public yeah. sector, I, I feel like there's a lot of of hurdles that we we still need to. Sometimes we 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 don't have the right people. We we want the right report, but we don't want to do the right thing. I don't know if I'm being negative, but my experience. So I I don't know what my question is. My question is. Uh, in, in situations like that, if you are repeatedly being faced with that, uh, do you suggest you keep trying? Do you, because, you know, yesterday I was thinking about the whole SAA thing with uh, Ms. Quinana, and you don't want to find yourself in a position that you can't recover from as a professional. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. So, yeah. and, and I think it's a, it's a fair comment, um, but I think always there's this context to you know, to, to, to stuff as well. I mean, I can tell you South African public sector is, is far from being matured. And I, and I think that's not the picture I'm trying to paint here, you know. Um, it's far from being matured, I think, um, especially the administration side of things. Um, and, 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 and there's many reasons for this. I mean, we can go to town. Uh, obviously, some of them are, are just based on 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 how the development of the administration has been handled by by the states. I mean, if only we are talking about professionalizing the public sector now, 
you know, 25 years later, it means we we are behind uh, quite a lot. And I think those are the things then that you, those are just the the the, the symptoms that you see, uh, which obviously are a root cause of of a bigger issue around the investment that is done on on administration. Um, you know, I mean, we can talk for. So I, I definitely understand that concern, and I think I understand that's the challenge that you you'll find in 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 the public sector. And so I'm I'm not really trying to romanticize that it's it's an easy space to work with. Um but I also have guys in the private sector that are complaining about the same things, you know, be it in the banks, um, where guys are really having some challenges, especially in senior management and executive roles, you know. So uh if if I can use a so what I what I always try and say to my team at least even the guys that I mentor, I hope you understand cricket, you know. So so in, in cricket, I usually use this analogy around in, in cricket and cricket pitches and that in, in a pitch is that place, that small thing where people bowl and then the ball hits where you have the wickets from both sides. So you find that in different countries, the, the wicket or the pitch plays differently. For example, in South African conditions and bouncy, you know, if you go to... Uh, English conditions, it's, it's lower. If you go to um, Indian conditions or, or further east, it, it, it's lower and it spins. But great players know how to be effective in all conditions. You have to find a way to be effective in those conditions. So if you want to be a Brian Lara or if you want to be a Jack Callis or, or whichever great player that ever existed in cricket, you, you'd see that when you're looking at their stats, you have to find a way to be effective. Because unfortunately, you know, you are you you are dealt with the cuts that you have and that's the environment that you get. But you have to find some form of approach to be effective. And again, never, never compromise um, your values or principles in the process, especially as a child of accountant. Thank you. Next question. I think there's a hand, please. Uh, um, good evening, Bulalani. Good evening, uh, colleagues. My question on the transformation front, and I'm glad you delved um, deeper, and I think it's Mbadi that gave her experience. What I wanted to understand is how bad is it, on the other hand, in the public sector? Because as much as you wouldn't want to paint um, an overly rosy picture. We also don't want to leave the status quo, which is that, I mean, there's, I mean, we call it a skills drain, yeah, the country, but there's an aversion completely um, of young professionals to the private sector. And in my experience auditing the uh, public sector, it has seemed as if people are there, people are normal. It just so happens that it's not necessarily the people you wished were in those positions and not necessarily out of anything other than the fact that if you advertise a post and you don't apply, then it goes to the next most competent person, whether they're competent or not, because the role ultimately has to be uh, uh, filled. And in essence, you end up with a vicious cycle where all the skilled people are running out of, away from uh, public sector because of the perception they have, and then the public sector becomes that thing that they are fearing it is. Yeah, so how bad is the picture on the other hand? Or what does the picture actually look like? 
Yeah, look, it's a, it's a very good question. And let me see how, if I can answer it this way. Um, so I think the report by the Auditor General, I think gives you an idea. If, if it would tell you that if only three out of 10 entities are able to manage their affairs properly, and uh, I think it was 80% of, of, of the municipalities uh, are facing going concern issues and sustainability issues, you know. And also, if you go to the Zondo Commission as well, um, you would have seen, you know, the issues around the malfeasance and, and the corruption that had taken place. It is for the period that was covered by the, by the Zondo Commission. So really, that's the context. Uh, but I think... For me, what I'm more interested in is is that what 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 can we do as young people to to change the status quo, you know? Um, because at the end of the day, uh, this is our country, this is our future, or a future of our kids and perhaps our grandchildren. So, do we sit and and watch or, or run to the private sector and say, yeah, they will fix themselves? But who will fix themselves? Because unfortunately, someone must be able to deliver the water services. Someone must be able to build the infrastructure to get you to work. Someone must be able to deliver on, on the electricity you know, that you need to be able to grow your businesses and be able to do what you need to do. Yeah, so, so even that for me, uh, perhaps uh, because I'm a hopeless optimist, you know, I, I take it as a challenge. But I think it's really a new struggle for young people to to just take control and stop hiding. You know, I think stop hiding because I just feel like we're comfortable sitting in the corner, you know, and 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 just getting my salary, driving my nice car, have my nice house, my nucleus family is fine, and to hell with the my grandmother and the mother and the sister and the cousins in the village. They'll see themselves. Government will sort themselves out. Which, which again, I think it's against uh, you know the, the values of of of, of ourselves as, as Africans. So really, you know, the situation it's definitely not ideal, definitely not ideal. Um, but I think it's 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 a challenge for us to to forge a new struggle as as the youth and and just pick a cause. And that's why I picked education as a cause. It's just one, obviously, small little drop. But imagine if all of us around here. All 112 or 13 of us would pick a cause, just one cause, and what difference it would make. So that's how I would answer that question. Happy? Um, just one last clarity uh, point, mm. right? The first thing I hear, at least when I hear when I ask people, why don't you want to work in the private sector? Is it's I don't want to die. So it's not necessarily I'm choosing comfort over. <laughs> private sector it's almost yeah i'm choosing life over death you know um on the one hand and then i think you mentioned the auditor general's reports i'll speak to those because i'm familiar with them um mm -hmm. right you know the first uh, mfma i went to i think it was 2015 the first thing when i got there before the auditors even started i already was like yeah there's no way these guys are gonna get it clean or a qualified unqualified audit not that i was well i was a first year so it's not like i was i had any power to change that beyond my testing right but what made me say that was because i looked at the staff establishment and hardly anyone had a diploma right and then eight years later it just made sense to me that if all the best guys are going to the AG from those municipalities, then those municipalities won't have skilled people to um, create the financials. As a result, 
the AG is actually wasting paper when she reports how bad the situation is because, yeah, you took all their skills. What do you expect? Right. Um, and not throwing shade at the AG itself. It's going back to the how bad is the situation point of view. Are we justified in being afraid of going to work for our, our municipalities? Is every municipality literally a suicide mission when you take that job? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so maybe just so that maybe the, the last point on that. Um, Look, obviously, you don't want to risk your life. Uh, I'd, I'd say no to that. Uh, I wouldn't promote that. I think you'd want that to be a, a, an individual decision. I mean, the Rivonia child will tell you. Their parents will say, no way, Mandela, where are you going, chief? You know, uh, you know, my child, what are you doing? You're a lawyer already. You have your own money. You have a nice house. Why would you go and fight for, for a struggle? Or, you know, and 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 go wage a struggle against the the government. You know, you are risking your life, etc. So there's that part as well, right? So it just depends uh, how far you are, on, you know, in terms of of wanting to see change and 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 cause change. But absolutely, I wouldn't want anyone to to risk their lives. But but if it if it helps anything, you know, um, in 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 Costa Rica. Uh, I think it was in the 1940s. Um, they were actually facing the same problem where we are currently. I think the unemployment rate was 39%. Youth unemployment is around 50%. And 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 all just it took it took one leader. Um, I think they call it Don Papa uh, Figueres, President Figueres. Uh, just one leader to just make a decision that we're gonna build a, a state that is based on merit, that is corruption free that really prioritizes the interest of the majority of the people. And sometimes that's all you need, just the one leader would come. And unfortunately, uh, because you are here now, you know, you're feeling this thing and it's happening to you and it just appears that there's no hope, but it has happened before. I mean, if you go to the history of China before Mao Zedong uh, took over and and and, and started um, interacting with 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 uh, America and and having those special economic zones, it just changed everything. It just changed uh, China's um, uh, trajectory. And and look at it now. I mean, how many times has the economy doubled? So so really, it's an issue of leadership and and also as the people that are have skills that have all the talents to take the struggle and make it our own and make a difference where we can possibly can you know but that's the optimist in me so you know um but i know we can go it's fine we, we can chat over coffee a bit more if you want me to convince you to come to at least my my entity <laughs> okay you know, thanks colleagues maybe we can just finalize the slides okay, okay thanks and 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 then we can chat a little bit more. Um, how much time do I have, Randani? Left? Just give me an indication so that uh, I know. Hi, Randani. Um, oh, hi. Uh, 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 Thirty minutes. Uh, Thirty minutes. All right. Thank you. Perfect. Hi. We're right on time. Uh, um, so I think we won the. The role of, remember what we said about uh, the CFO, that their role is to execute the strategy. Uh, primarily, that's their role, right? And I, I just given you a, just a few strategic issues that would be considered by a CFO. And the role of a board member, this is an oversight role, 
and they need to ensure that the stakeholders or rather interests of all the stakeholders are prioritized in the manner in which the organization is ran and in manner in which management makes decisions, right? And so really, if you were to summarize the role and, and simplify it, their role is to, to formulate the strategy, help in the strategy development process, and also appraise on how management has performed against that strategy. So I list some of the, the key responsibilities there uh, around, they have to set the tone around, around ethics, around what is tolerable, you know? Um, and and there's many examples on this. I mean, I mentioned um, uh, Steinhoff, where you'd see that, you know, that there was some form of tolerance that some things, even though they would see that they were not ethical, but they, they let them be because they said, no, we, we trust um, Bali to, you know, to, to, to act in the interest. And you can't trust, you have to ensure that. That's why it's very important to exercise that due diligence because you're not acting in the interest of especially the CEO, uh, you also have to consider interest of all the other stakeholders. Um, also setting direction and organizational goals, um, you know, approving policies, including some that you may know, materiality framework, your risk appetite, risk management framework, and also ensure that there's sufficient resources, that the, the entity has the necessary resources to deliver on the strategy, right? Ensure there's a CEO, there's a competent, um, team as well to assist um, the, the, the executive management and very important they must also review the organizational performance against those goals and so they need to ensure that that, that gets done um, you know and and you know and, and i also don't want to seem like i'm bashing the private sector but but these are problems that are also you would find in the private sector i mean if you follow the nespa's uh, story right now um i mean where they are and and where they were in 2000 and um, I think let's say five six years from now, you know, uh, that's when you realize. I mean, really, I mean, I think the CEO at some point got a billion in in salaries, including shares. Uh, but now when Nestle is not performing well, then you know, uh, people are are still fine with the status quo, and and Nespa is really facing challenges and big challenges because there wasn't a continuous review. Of, of how the organization was performing, you know, um, and also just hold management accountable, which is very, very important. Because when, when people are not asked why they made some decisions, they continue to make them, even if they, those decisions are wrong and they're detrimental to the organization, because no one is asking why you're making that decision and why do you think that's the best decision for the organization? They continue to, to make them, and I don't know if you're following the story of um, um, I forgot which audit firm. This is Australia story about um, about this audit firm that is leaking uh, some information, you know, um, which which is apparently some that has been happening for 20 years or so, you know, and just the, removing two or three people doesn't really address the problem. So those are the problems that. Exist and and if if the governing body and that's why King is focuses on the governing body's role because if the governing body was effective in the manner in which it it, it provides oversight over the organization the manner in which it reviews uh, the performance of the organization the conduct of management some of those things would definitely would have been avoided so really that's the difference between the the board and and the CFO. 
what are the management role? Um, so I'll just run through this. Um, so, so that's really about my role. Um, and and the, another part I thought I should add is a slide, which is some of the tips, at least from my experience in, in practice. As I said, just to, this is what I use to just uh, zoom out when I feel like there's just a lot going on and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. So what, what is it that I'm trying to do? And really, even Saika, this is what they're promoting now, is that the, the overall goal, we have to ensure that there's responsible business. The manner in which we conduct business is done in a responsible manner. And King Four speaks about effective and ethical leadership. You know, and, and that's why business ethics are, are not negotiable. You know, and, and nicely, those are the, I mean, King Four also uh, lists nicely the, the characteristics of, of what it constitutes uh, ethical leadership. Who knows that um, abbreviation uh, that I have, the iCraft, who can help me with that? What does that mean? What does the I stand for, the C, the R, the A, and the F and T? I want to see if you know your corporate governance uh, framework. Any volunteer? Come on, guys. I'm going to be picking some. Yeah. Is that not integrity? Yeah. Um, Correct. So the, I know. I, okay, so the CF got is integrity, accountability, competence, competence mm. transparency. Yo, the F and the R. Fairness. <laughs> yeah. Well, fairness. Well, yeah, so, mm. so, so I, we used to call it crafty. Oh, you call it crafty? Oh, yes, yes. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I like the eye because before you do anything, before you make any decision, you have to make sure that your heart and mind is in the right place. So I like to put the eye before the craft, you know. <laughs> Thanks sense. for that. Nice try. Um, so really, business ethics uh, uh, have to be the foundation of the manner in which you make decisions. And, and, and you'll see that even how you are tested now on your APC, I mean, I'm sure every second question, you would have ethical concerns that you would have identified and spoken to. And it's exactly for this reason that we we have to sensitize now the future leaders about the importance of, of, um, of business ethics. Um, and then the, the sector, yeah, which is the second part is really around strategy formulation. I've told you who's usually uh, responsible for that. Um, so, and strategy formulation is about three steps. So the first one is about just assessing external environment. And I'm sure you know how to do that. And I'm sure you've seen those frameworks. And so make sure that your assessment is comprehensive. You have to use some form of framework, right? Even when you're writing in your exams, whether it be PESTEL or SWOT or Porter's Five um, Forces model. And then you have to look at in, you know, your own internal resources, right? Even when you're doing your own goals, you look at what do I have? I mean, okay, I'm a CA, you know, I have this, I have that. How can I take the opportunity provided um, by 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 the external environment? So you have to look at your own resources and capabilities. So there's many frameworks, but I I usually prefer using the SWOT analysis in that instance. Um, then the strategy development uh, process. Uh, who can tell me what strategy is? What 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 is strategy? When we talk about business strategy, what, what is that? Positioning. Okay. What, what, what does positioning mean? I like that. What, what, what does positioning 
where you how the company positions itself so that it can achieve its objectives okay okay yeah i think you're getting the so how, how i simplified really which i think is exactly what you're saying is that strategy is a choice right it's a choice that a business makes on where to play and how to succeed where it plays so that's why it's very important that you have an understanding of your external environment and understanding is where is it as he as Paul has said where, where do you want to position your entity you know? so if you want to remember it that's you can even i think this is probably the the, the easiest definition that it's really just a choice that the company has to make like with any choice there are weaknesses and strengths or advantages and disadvantages a choice about where to play and how to win where you want to play right so i usually use those two um frameworks i think those two frameworks you you can't go wrong obviously please uh, if if whatever i say is in contradiction with what uh, Rendanian team have taught you, please take what the team has taught you. But when you have time, do have a look at this too. And I like the answer of matrix because it just tells you that any business is about two things, about the market and about the product, right? So it's just the matrix between the two. So if, if you are using the same product in an existing market and you want to gain more market share, that strategy is called market penetration. If you are in an existing market, but you want to use a new product, you know, that would then you call product development. You know, if you are, uh, it's the same product, but in the new market, let's say MTN going to Nigeria, which is a new market, you know, that's then the market development strategy or what Elon Musk is now doing, acquiring Twitter, uh, which is a new market and a new product. Then that's what you call a diversification strategy. Yeah, because sometimes there's too many fancy words around strategy. Some call it adaptable strategy, technology, what, what strategy. But it all boils down into the product. Are you making a new product? Or is it an existing product? Are you going to a new market? Or is it an existing market? So that's why I like with that matrix of the end of just to explain it. So the business model canvas, I think it helps you with the positioning as, as Paul has indicated, because it, it, it sort of prompts you to, to understand what is the, the value proposition. Also, when you, when you have time, you can just go on Google and, and just type McDonald's business model canvas or any other, if you're a Starbucks person, you, you know, you would see that as much as we think these guys are selling coffee, but actually the value proposition is not selling coffee. The value proposition sometimes is experience. That's why you pay a premium for it. Or if you are, for example, KFC, KFC's value proposition is affordable pricing uh, and they're using chicken to achieve their value proposition. Um, uh, Nando's experience. Um, some say chicken licking is, is babalas. So I don't know what's their value proposition. But, you know, but that, that, that business model canvas really helps you, you know, to, to sort of understand, you know, what, what is this business into? And there's also a nice video that I like watching of um, this, this professor from Harvard called, called Professor Christensen. Uh, he recently passed away. He, he talks about jobs to be done, you know, to say what what is your business, uh, what what job does your business uh, try to deliver to the customer or the prospective customer, you know, and it's very clear about it and how he explains it. It actually makes sense, and and I think it's it's you know because I think it it just helps you understand what the really business is about. I'm sure if you can ask Randani when you have time, you would see that he's actually not providing 
a, a an education product here. It, it's serving a bigger value proposition. And, and that's why he's unique to the market and you guys prefer to be here today. Mm. Uh, and then obviously the, the proof of any pudding is in the tasting, which is then starch execution. And uh, this is probably the, the hardest part, right? Uh, because then you have to now find the right combination between the people that you have, your processes, the technology, you know, the systems that perhaps you, some you might have internally, some of the technology you must have to acquire to get to this objective that you need. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying it because I'm a CFO and this is probably my job, you know, uh, but strategy execution, I think, I mean, anyone can come up with a strategy, right? But to, to make sure that it works and it's implemented and it gets you the results that you need, I think that is probably the most important part. And also you have to, to know your success indicators up front. You have to know what you're trying to achieve and how you're going to measure it. Because if you don't know how you're going to measure success, you know, then how do you know that you, you know, when you've got there, how do you know you're growing, you know? Um, so I know those are some of the um, frameworks that I used, uh, that I use, and I think also quite easy to understand. I mean, the balance scorecard, I'm sure you would have uh, learned about it or have seen it, and also sustainable performance uh, around ESG, you know, making sure that you also consider the impact um, in the environment, uh, also social and also government outcomes. Yeah. And the last one that I forgot here was just reporting. Um, also, I mean, it's funny that I'm an accountant and I'm a reporting specialist, but I don't include reporting there. So really that's what business is about. It's about, you know, formulating a, a strategy, executing it, and then also find understanding what is it that you're trying to measure so that you're able to know whether you're on the right track and also reporting in a very transparent way, uh, as, as I, I would have indicated in the example that I had with, with transparent reporting. You were sorry, with integrated reporting. So, yep, those are that's the, the tips on, on how I see business in general and some of the frameworks that I use. Uh, do you mind if I, I just complete the last few slides and then we can take questions so that at least we know we're working towards uh, half past seven? Are you fine with that? Yes. All right, thank you. So just from, from the marker, um, so I've, I've gone through three rounds now of marking. Uh, I'm actually marking now the final the final um, exam. Um, and I think this is some of the things that uh, I'd suggest that you, you actually have a look at. Um, obviously not cast in stone, but some of the things that I picked up and their transversal issues, you know. And so when you have to know and fully understand your pre-reading, you see, if you're like me and you went to Velabatleke high, high School or Village School, you probably have to read that pre-reading a number of times, maybe about seven, eight or nine or ten times. I don't know how many times you have to know your pre-reading, in and out. Um, because what then happens, you don't have the time now in the... Uh, you know, in the, ex in the exam room to, or at least when you're writing, to go back and remind yourself. If, when, because when you do that, then you just confuse yourself and you now you can't focus on the on the task at hand. And also, when, when, once you receive that pre-reading, you must also research the context of the industry. So if the pre-reading is on... Um, you're on mute, Udila. You're muted. Um, okay, because I'm almost done. Who's muting me now? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so 
the, the value chain of the industry. Uh, also understand, I mean, what's happening around that in the industry, government policy, etc. And that's why it helps to work in some in, in a group. I mean, working alone. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you've been told, but I think it it helps you in two or three or four guys that you can just discuss some of these ideas with, right? Uh, also. Okay, I, I, I don't know why it does this. Apologies, guys. So you have to plan your responses and, and, and you know, allocate time for each task and stick to it. Because, you know, unfortunately, you have to make sure that each task is answered. And then even if you get HC on task one, and then you go get an NA or an LC on task two and three, I mean, you have not demonstrated now full competence of, on what was tested for that round or for that session. So you have to make sure that you, you have sufficient time that you allocate for each task and answer each task. And if asked to review or critique something, don't only focus on the negative, right? So also write the positive and you find that 50% of the points are actually the positive. So I think there was a question of on a free cash flow, right? And um, they did all these things uh, and, and they had all the, the correct inputs and also the incorrect inputs. And then people just focus on the incorrect inputs. And 50% of, of the primary indicators also included the, you know, the, the stuff that was done right by, by this accountant that was presenting this thing. So you, you have to make sure that when you critique something, you also consider uh, the, the positives as well. And when you're answering a question, don't forget to apply context. Uh, I think on session two, there was the question on, which was a, a giveaway really, a question on fraud um, indicators of fraud. It was an auditing question, right? So they said, please explain to me what are the indicators of fraud and what are some of the procedures that I would have to perform, right? So what people did, they just took that dump. And there's a nice thing there on 31, Isaac 315, they just copied and paste, they put it on the um, on, 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 on their answer sheets and they got an LC because it was a dump. And I mean, in, in, in the case study, there was things around IFRS 15, or was it IFRS 9, I can't remember, which is a complex standard. Right, isn't it? You talk about an indicator which is complexity. There are issues around journals do done manually. That's an indicator, you know. So you have to make sure that when you answer a question, even if you can see this is the question that I know, just make sure that at least you relate it to the case study or the context provided in the scenario. Right. And also, I think I spoke about that and consider the impact on value chain and the stakeholders when you're answering a question. And I also spoke about the fact that you have to always consider if there's any ethical concerns in that question. I would even say that must be top of mind. You must, especially as an accountant, you have to always, you know, look for 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 issues around whether conduct related or, or the lead people in in the in the case study. If if there's any issues around uh, the ethics and the manner in which they 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 conducting themselves or their behavior in general. Even the organization, the organizational conduct and, and issues around uh, corporate citizenship as well. You have to always have that top of mind when you look at a question. And remember to conclude uh, this one, guys. You know, I mean, this is one mark, uh, guys. I mean, slowly this one you can take, you know. So people will critique something and review it. And then at the bottom, they, they don't answer the question to say, okay, but given this and that, I consider blah, blah, blah as a conclusion. I know it's something very small, but that one mark can make a difference between a BC and an and a and a C. And it keep it simple and short. You see, if if your your sentence 
uh, goes beyond the say the first line and goes to second line, third line, you must know now you're probably waffling. Uh, you I know you are under time pressure, but even when you practice at home, just try and keep it simple. At least your sentence must not uh, go over the line, or at least to the second line. Just make sure that you keep it straight to the point and just answer the question as is. Yeah. Because now when you're a marker and then you see this long thing, and because what would happen is someone would say on, on the first three or four words, the correct thing, and then they say on the last three or four words now something that contradicts this one. But you're like, yeah, now is this a P or must I just say this is a no, you know? Uh, because you're writing too much and you're probably thinking at the time and you're just writing as you think. But just, just try and obviously plan your response. Just make sure. You, you just keep your answers very concise and straight to the point. Yeah, but overall, really, it's, it's just about putting in the, you know, the hours and putting in the hard work. And also, most importantly, something I, I say to one of my mentees that is on the call, Tusheko, I know you, you, you guys call her pretty, is, is that you, you have to believe in yourself. You know, if, even if you're lying to yourself, it's okay. When you get there, just, just when you study something, Study something and say, I know this thing and move on, you know, because the problem is now you're going to be wasting time on, on a framework. You don't have time to do the questions. You During the exam day, you are busy flipping pages. You're checking, what did I forget? What did I forget? And, and that has an impact in the manner in which you perform. You have to get there and say, I mean, you can't pass CTA board one and you tell me you don't know anything at this point. You know, so you, you have to be comfortable that what you know is sufficient. Always you have to revise now and then. What you know is sufficient. Now you have to just be able to apply it in the exam room. And you have to create the condition in your mind, you know, that I know what I know. And when, I face the, when, I, when I'm faced with the question, I'll be able to answer it. So, guys, it's, 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 it's all possible, you know. Um, and really, just to add on what I'd said earlier, that if, if, if a village boy like, like myself was able to uh, to move from a village school and be admitted to to UCT, where I met my main man, uh, Mtero, and, and and also I mean now I recently just completed my my masters at um, MBA at at Gibbs, which is also number one um, the business university or business school in in Africa as well, and um, as Mtero has indicated earlier as well, also part of the top 35 under 35. It can't be impossible. You can't tell me if someone like me uh, is able to achieve what what they have achieved, and I continue to you know to do all these things that I've indicated earlier. And some of them we can do over coffee to just you know give you some you know more context. You can't tell me that it's impossible. So really, guys, I need you to be in a self belief. I'm I'm hundred percent convinced that you're putting in the hours but you just have to believe that it's something that you can do. And this is just another hill that you'll be able to cross. As our founding father has said, just in closing, and as one said that it, it always seems impossible until it's done. So thank you so much colleagues. Thank you for, for the interaction. And I'm ready to take any questions or comments or reflections. Thank you. Zaho? Um, very inspiring, Bodilani. Thank you so much. Um, just the last question. Uh, so much of your presentation was very uh, technical and that you draw much from evidence and, you know, 
supporting, it must be supported. But sometimes I feel like um, there are instances where you don't necessarily have the time to look through all the evidence. And for a person in leadership like yourself, is there a place where you lead from a place of intuition? And do you mind giving a situation where uh, intuition is the place you led from more than just the technical and yeah? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean um, so my approach with this, my philosophy, and then I think it it comes back from from the pop, from the purposes I'd indicated earlier that you you want to serve others, you have to be other oriented. So if I'm faced with a decision, obviously the first stop is evidence and facts, right? But as in, as you say, I mean facts are not always um, available. So what I do. I know people criticize my approach, but my philosophy is that then the next decision that I must make must be for the benefit of the other person. I must not even think of myself to benefit from that decision. Benefit of another person or the benefit of the organization. So what that does, it then just centers me. It just centers, as I said, just my, my integrity. And, and 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 at least I know from a point of, of, of either intention or... or as I said, integrity, I know I'm just focused on making sure that the decision is not for me or the person to benefit me personally. So I only consider myself as option number five, right? Um, I don't know if I should share this instance, but uh, I, I don't know. Okay, let, let, let me share it. I think something that is that comes to mind. So I, 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 I had an issue with um, one of the ICT uh, executives. Um, so just, okay, he was a senior manager at the time, but we were just not uh, checking for lack of a better word. You know? <laughs> it happens, you know, that sometimes you work with someone, but, you know, um, you, you know, you, you're just not finding each other. You know, at least you're not aligned in the manner in which you think, the manner in which you go about getting to, 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 to an objective. And so this person was reporting to me at the time, but, uh, but this person was delivering on the work. You know, I mean, if you look at even the, the KPIs, the guy was getting fives, you know, um, even on some of the things that we were doing from an ITT, ICT point of view, even with the modernization, modernization project that we we're busy with, the person was delivering, but I was just not getting along with the person, you know, and and um, I mean, yeah, I think the guy was very rude and, um, and, and I could see that this was also, I mean, it was also a very negative person. It was also affecting the team and the spirit that I was trying to solve or rather trying to develop with the team. So I had to, I was faced with a decision of whether, do I let this guy go? And, and you know, to, to the expense of the organization or find another way of keeping this person and, and, and perhaps see how I can sort of try and, and, and exclude this person from, from, from just the, team and just make sure that at least from an organizational point of view the organization still benefits you know so i had to take that decision where i said look i mean personally as a selfish decision i can i can fire this guy today right but uh, i think for the organization to definitely not be the best decision you know so met to the ceo we had a chat and then i indicated to her and i said can i have this guy report to you directly uh, so that we just manage his relations. I, I feel like he's an asset to the organization, especially considering the approaches that we're in. But my relationship and and uh, his relationship and I clearly cannot work. And and I feel like it's obviously negatively affecting the team. So that's an example I, I was just thinking of now. But it's based on that philosophy. 
so that even your intuition must be based on some form of philosophy. You can't just say, yeah, I made a decision because it was my intuition. You know, it, it has to be informed by something. So what informs mm-hmm. mine is that it has to be the benefit of the other person. Thank uh, you. Thanks, Deho. Another hand, I see. Who oh, is it me? Uh, I can't see the hands. I just see... I can see who oh, it is. Please go ahead. Please shoot. Okay, sure. Um, in your personal view, hmm. you have been an executive from a young age. Hmm. How long do you think is the life of a finance professional? One. Two. How long do you think is the life of a finance executive? Number three, um, don't you see a risk of assuming executive roles while relatively young, particularly in major organizations? Thanks. A very good one, um, Paul. And uh, I think it's always something that I, I always reflect on, you know. Um, uh, and, uh, and and but I don't know if you're spiritual, you know. But uh, I've always said, you know, sometimes God would put you in a situation, Gandhi, uh, they are preparing you for something bigger, you know. Um, I mean, my experiences are, are not always the best. I mean, I, when I was a trainee, I got promoted to assistant manager, and I was managing my friends, you know. <laughs> so you can imagine what that caused, you know. Um, and I also had an issue where. Uh, I, I had to report an exco member because of an ethics issue, and then I had to make that decision. But I was like, "But God, why are you putting me in this position?" You know. But all of those experiences, uh, I think, they really assisted uh, me in in obviously always assisted me in in being able now to to take some of the decisions that I'm able to take in these different positions that I'm in. So definitely, it's challenging, and and uh, you always feel like your career is on the line every day. You know, I, I always feel like tomorrow the CEO can say, me and you are not aligned. So uh, let's leave it here. Um, but uh, but I, 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 again, it goes back to the purpose that what I live for is really just to to add value. And I think with the five years that I've, I've been where I am, I think I've, I've contributed immensely uh, with always the help of the team and and, and other stakeholders. And and that's all I always try and, and, and aim for. And even with all the um, the promotions and the, um, and and even the appointment of this position was was just based on me wanting to just add value, just doing more, just doing a bit more than I was required. I mean, when I was at the AG, I, I probably worked on on six or seven uh, different audits. Even with my audit, I would have my audit, and then I'll be assisting others. I even worked on the SAA one. I work on the treasury one, going concern. So I, I worked on different projects, not because I was asked to do it but just because I just wanted to add value. And and, and that's my purpose. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I, obviously I have dreams and I have goals, and but really I think at this point it's just to make sure that I'm able to serve others and inspire others to do the same. Yeah, but you are not telling me how long do you think is the life of an executive? So what do you mean by life as a In career? other words, in other mm. words, you are a CFO now in your 30s. 
Mm. Right? Yeah. And you will be, how long do you think you'll remain a CFO? Because I mean, expected retirement is 60 years. (laughs) Right? So how long do you think you will be a CFO? You know? Um, Mm. And and, and also on another side of the story, um, just being a a little bit more deep. Or, or 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 my observations, right? When mm. when you look at the public sector and people who have assumed executive roles while relatively young from a maturity mm. perspective, mm. they get sacrificed politically. Mm. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. The yeah. politics of the organization uh, spew spew them out. Right mm-hmm. now, now would you encourage a relatively young Black South Africans to assume um, what you call this executive roles while relatively young, or people should be pacing themselves and and assuming executive roles? Uh, in their late 40s and into their 50s. You d- I, I don't know if you, you, you appreciate the nuance that I'm bringing across the board, because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the cost content of, our, of the program that we are doing, we are not taught to be um, at the lower end, lower levels of the organization. We've got the skills and the competencies to be operating at executive level. But then, truth be told, from a, an age maturity perspective, people may not be at that level, right? So, so now, with where you are, having achieved what you have achieved, what is your observation and what would you bring on to the table as advice for people who may think that they are ready for executive roles when in actual fact they may not be? And I appreciate your your input from a spiritual perspective. I mean, from the Bible, Paul says, don't be ashamed of your youth. You know what I'm saying? So, so I appreciate that. But, but also on another side of the story, one, I, I think that people should be quite careful of chasing um, roles of leadership and great responsibility when they have not sufficiently assessed and gathered um, sufficient competencies from a human perspective, you know, to be able to assume those roles. And if I have to expand also, if you look at an organization like ESCOM, Right. Would you, in your 30s, think that you are ready to go and become a CFO at ESCO? So, so, so sorry to, 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 to jump in. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel that it's a, it's a, it's a rather loaded question. Um, Let's have coffee. Let's have coffee with Paul. That's Let's what I was coffee. about to suggest. It's a coffee happiness, conversation. Happiness, happiness. <laughs> but in any event, yeah, you can yeah. give me your... Okay, I think 
Yeah, I don't know who's muting people. It seems that they've muted Mpo, um, muted as well. Yeah, so yes. Uh, so 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 Bulelani. Um, yes, sir. I think I I just jumped in to 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 <laughs> to, to just uh, formally cut the session. We've got another speaker waiting, um, and, and I'm just worried about time. Um, so so I think yeah, for me it, it was quite brilliant to to hear uh, the journey. Uh, you unpacking everything you unpacked. Um, yeah, it felt like a mini catch up. I have to say, <laughs> so 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 certainly I want that copy as well. Yes, uh, I want that copy as well, uh, just to 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 really catch up. Uh, so this was quite quite inspiring, and I hope that the candidates got quite a lot from it. Um, so yeah, from my side once again, thank you so so much. Um, I see that yeah, the candidates also share the same same sentiments. Um, so I don't know whether you've got final words before we can close off the session, please. Well, no, I think I've said enough today. Uh, I think thanks to yourself and, and, and thanks to everyone. Obviously, you can give them my details and yeah, yeah. we can do coffee. And Paul, I'll be waiting for your call. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks. Good evening. Cheers, Paul.